Hey everybody, James Shepard here with another edition of the Merchant Sales Insight. Today we're talking about how to sell high volume merchants with a low schedule A. Uh, so this is part of this little series we've done on no merchant left behind. This particular one is selling monster merchant accounts. And so um, I partnered with Dustin Magaziner, who's a good friend of mine, and I really admire what they're doing um, at Paybright, just a great company with a lot of cool things. So um, they're the sponsor of this edition, and you'll know why in a minute that they're the sponsor. Um, in today's world of dual pricing, flat rate pricing, and integrated technology solutions, it often seems as if the true payments expert will get left behind. What is the value add for the agent who really understands the inner workings of the industry, who knows how to read the Schedule A and the merchant statement? In today's edition, I want to talk about going after the large volume merchant account. That's where payments expertise is a crucial piece of the value proposition. A new agent can pitch just about any merchant on dual pricing and promise to eliminate the majority of your processing fees. However, presenting a cost savings proposal on Interchange Plus to a merchant processing $5 million per month in volume would be a challenge for a lot of these newer agents that only know how to sell dual pricing and flat rate. Like most new agents, I sought smaller deals when I first started selling payment processing services. As my level of expertise and confidence for the industry grew, I realized that going after larger volume merchants could be much more profitable. Also, it allowed me to leverage my experience. One of the most important aspects of closing larger deals is having a low enough Schedule A cost to allow negotiation while preserving margin. I asked Paybright to sponsor this edition of the Merchant Sales Insight because of their focus on helping agents win more deals, including large volume deals. Their one basis point and one penny Schedule A available for very large accounts gives agents the flexibility to bring these deals over the finish line. We evaluate the prospects sales reps bring to us on a case-by-case -case basis we don't believe any merchant should be left behind because of hard and fast rules about which types of accounts merit consideration, explains Dustin Magaziner, founder and CEO of Paybright. And we encourage agents to bring us as many or as few deals as they choose. This edition is the third in a four-part series about completing deals that can be difficult to place with the average ISO. In this mini-series, I'm discussing four types of businesses that are often left behind by merchant sales reps. Merchants looking into existing, uh, locked into existing contracts, micro merchants, merchants with a lot of volume, the topic today, and merchants needing a lot of free equipment. To learn more about micro merchants or merchants needing a lot of free equipment, make sure you visit ccsalespro.com slash insights. There you can scroll back to previous editions we did with Paybright on these topics. In this edition, let's focus on large volume merchants. I plan to provide insights that will hopefully prevent losing a potentially profitable deal down the road, and I'll discuss three primary challenges to prospecting and closing large volume merchant accounts. Number one, making contact with a decision maker. While this first challenge seems to derail most agents from pursuing these deals, I have always found this to be fairly straightforward. For the purposes of this article, I'm defining large volume merchant as a single merchant account doing 500,000 to 10 million in monthly processing volume. The process I'll describe below is very different from pursuing multi-location food service or retail businesses with each individual location doing say 30,000 to 150,000 a month. 
because the multi-location segment of the market is now converting to dual pricing and surcharging, it is not the target market for large volume merchants on traditional pricing. We are talking instead about large and well-established local businesses. In preparing to write this edition of the Merchant Sales Insight, I visited www.dataaxelusa.com, which is, by the way, not a paid sponsor of this edition. I just really like them. Um, and I searched for all business types within 15 miles of my zip code personally. <clears throat> I looked for businesses that had 10 million to 100 million in total annual volume or revenue, I should say. I purchased this list of 146 businesses, which only cost me $157, by the way, that fit this description. So I basically went to dataaxelusa.com. I put in a bunch of criteria, and basically the criteria was give me a list of all the non-publicly traded, non-franchise companies that, ha that are local to me within 15 miles that did 10 million to 100 million in annual revenue. Here are some of the businesses on my list that would be a good fit for the approach mentioned in this article. Hopefully you can think of some similar local businesses in your market that might fit this description. Local amusement or water parks, motorsports or boat dealers, auto dealers, commercial truck dealers, asphalt products manufacturer, local grocery stores, large liquor stores, various factories, building materials stores, large landscape large landscape, sorry, supply centers, dairy suppliers, various wholesalers, various, uh, uh, you know, different, uh, different B2B type companies, um, large department stores, not national chains, but individual department stores, and swimming pool supply stores. Notice that many of the business types on this list include businesses that sell primarily to other businesses. I've discussed interchange optimization and other keys to selling B2B merchants in previous issues. Those tips also apply to this situation. Following are steps for making contact with the right person at a larger organization like the ones mentioned above. Number one, establish yourself as an expert in payment processing. You may be asking the meaning of establishing yourself as an expert. The good news is there is no particular certification needed to accomplish this. The bad news is you must put in the work to actually become an expert. If you don't know what you're talking about, you are already dead in the water in terms of going after these large organizations. However, the worst case scenario would be if you actually do get in contact. Without understanding payment processing, odds are you will make some huge mistake and damage your reputation. We recently had a large volume statement submitted to ISOAMP, our statement analysis company. The statement had $1,000 FANF uh, fee due to the level of volume the merchant processed. If you don't know what that is, it's a, a fee that Visa charges uh, for the uh, location, uh, each individual location. Our client reached out to ask why we didn't notice this quote unquote markup in the card brand fees, thinking that the true cost should be only $2. Well, this user had never seen a high volume statement and did not do the homework. They didn't realize that, in fact, FANIF is a huge table and the fee varies wildly based on the volume of the merchant. And so for this particular merchant, it really was $1,000. Imagine if this client pitched the merchant a savings of $998 on FANIF only to send the first statement with a $1,000 FANIF fee, which is, in fact, the true cost. What would that do to their reputation as an expert? 
So number one, establish yourself as an expert. Number two, become a member of local organizations and get involved. This could include the Rotary Club, the local chamber of commerce, entrepreneurial centers, etc. To thoroughly utilize all networking opportunities through local organizations would likely require an investment of 10 hours a week. I advise that you join only those organizations about which you are passionate and then get heavily involved. Doing that might require a time investment of 10 to 20 hours per month. And again, that would be an extreme investment of time where you're very involved in the organization. It is surprisingly easy to get noticed from other members at these organizations. All that's necessary is to jump in and get involved. Organizations primarily composed of business people are usually very short-handed. All their members are busy. By volunteering your time and money, if you can, you will quickly set yourself apart and gain a good reputation. Because Paybright recognizes the value that can come from memberships in these organizations, they offer to cover membership fees and other costs in many cases for their agents. Make sure and reach out to Paybright to learn more about this program if you haven't already. So we establish ourselves as an expert. We join some local clubs. And then number three, we leverage LinkedIn to find someone with whom you should speak. Find someone at one of these companies who shares a membership to one of the local organizations. Reach out directly to schedule a lunch meeting. You would be surprised at how seldom a powerful person at a large company gets an invite to lunch in the local area. I personally have had two local merchant sales agents ask to have lunch with me in the last six months, and I said yes both times. I've also agreed to multiple meetings at lunch and at my office for fellow members of the Rotary Club and other organizations who want to pitch me on something. There is unique value in being well-connected locally. Even powerful people at large organizations who sell their products and services nationally understand this. Not everyone will say yes every time, but I have found that my conversion rate within three months of trying to grab lunch or a meeting uh, you know, at someone's office locally is well worth, or I'm sorry, is well north of 50%, even for a cold outreach. The fact that you are both members of the same local organization and that you just want to network and see if there might be some way in which you could work together are more than enough to get a contact. Side note, when identifying the right person with whom to speak, this is one of those rare situations in sales where talking to a non-decision maker can be a good use of time. You probably need the CFO or someone in accounting to get the deal moving. However, as long as you are talking to a senior person with influence, you can gain momentum and get connected to the right person. I look more for the highest ranking person in the organization with whom I have some sort of connection and I start there. Be genuinely interested in the company and what he or she does. Have a great conversation with the person and he or she will almost always volunteer to introduce you to the correct person. So that's how we're going to get in contact. Number two, understand payment technology integrations. Unlike selling smaller merchants where you tend to replace current technology with a similar system, most of these larger merchants will not be interested in switching existing technology. For these well-established businesses, the cost of switching could be millions of dollars. That includes not only the true cost of the new technology, but the operational and opportunity cost of distracting their team by implementing something new. Instead, you will almost always be tasked with helping integrate the current technology with whatever payment option you have available. You need to speak with your processor every step of the way and do your own research on the software or system they use. Be realistic about time frame. 
Don't try to paint a pretty picture about how easy or quick the integration will be. Being cautious about promises relating to integration will ensure the merchant that you've been down this road a few times. Simply agree, there are sure to be issues, but the issues will be worthwhile in terms of savings. As I delve into competitive pricing, keeping the current and proposed cost of the integration in mind as a new deal is structured is necessary. Make sure you understand exactly how they are integrated today, what the fees are for the gateway, etc., and what the cost will be if they switch to your company. Once you have a deal signed, work steadily each day with your processor and their IT department to create an integration roadmap and get the plan executed. Make sure you have complete buy-in from the top of the organization. This means you have a high-ranking champion of the project to whom you can turn if their team starts to slow down or lose interest in completing the integration. Number three, offer competitive pricing. If you are calling on a really large merchant with high monthly volumes, the merchant probably already has good rates and may have no interest in passing the cost of processing to the client. Often these larger merchants are under greater scrutiny from the local media and do not feel the idea of dual pricing or surcharging is ready for prime time. This is changing quickly, but there will always be a sizable chunk of these large volume merchant types who are looking for interchange plus pricing that saves them money. I've talked with agents who have called on merchants doing $6 million a month. Think gas station or convenience store chains. The agent gets a merchant statement and finds the merchant is paying five basis points plus three cents. So the agent says, look, you're already getting a great deal. I can't do any better than that. Really? Why not offer three basis points and two cents? The typical response is that the Schedule A costs are so high that the agent wouldn't make any money on the account. It is crucial to have a payment processor who provides a significantly lower Schedule A cost on these massive accounts. Often, I see ISOs telling their agents that they will, quote-unquote, cross that bridge when they come to it in terms of offering competitive pricing and figuring out how to generate a margin on these big accounts. More often than not, either the deal is lost because the pricing is not competitive or the agent closes a large deal only to realize they are receiving practically no residual. It is crucial that you negotiate with your ISO up front on how they will handle these larger accounts before you approach them so that you are confident in your ability to compete. There is nothing worse than taking the time of a valuable connection at a large company only to come back with a proposal offering limited or no savings. Wasting the time of a key decision maker is a surefire way to ruin your local reputation. Dustin told me Paybright can get a Schedule A cost down to one basis point and one cent for very large merchant accounts, thereby providing the agent in these cases with a margin of two basis points and a penny. For a gas station doing 6,000 transactions a month at today's gas prices, that's potentially a lot of money, even at a pricing of three basis points and two cents. Not only does Paybright work these deals with the agent, but they provide this reduced Schedule A cost structure to the agent up front in writing. So the agent knows exactly how low they can go to get the deal done while still generating a healthy profit for themselves. Now for a quick word about our sponsor, Paybright, a place to place those hard to place deals. I love that so much. I have to say that again. I got to credit Patty Murphy. She came up with that. Paybright, a place to place those hard to place deals. Paybright is leading the way and helping agents place hard to place accounts. And unlike a lot of other ISOs, Paybright commits to never increasing a merchant's fees. 
Paybrite is also not requiring or even expecting agents to become exclusive to them. Most agents start their Paybrite relationship by boarding one or two accounts that need a home. We passionately believe that no merchant should be left behind just because an ISO or processor has a rule or criteria that does not take the account profitability into consideration. We are committed to helping agents land every deal that makes sense, Dustin told me. That's why we take the time to analyze every deal an agent brings us. If a deal makes sense relative to our potential margin, we will board the merchant, Dustin explains. I've seen a lot of deals fall through the cracks because an account is too large or too small or there's uh, an added cost of acquisition, such as free terminals, that the ISO is unwilling to pay. If you find yourself in this predicament, consider running the account by Paybrite. Chances are they will find a way to help you land the deal. So to learn more about what they have to offer, head over to gopaybright.com. That's G-O-P-A-Y-B-R-I-G-H-T. Go paybright.com head over to gopaybright.com or look up Dustin Magaziner very active on social media Facebook groups LinkedIn things like that either look up Dustin Magaziner and reach out directly or head over to gopaybright.com to speak to a member of their team to learn more about their programs that are designed to leave no merchant behind my name is James Shepard thanks so much for taking time to listen to this edition of the Merchant Sales Insight